if you went on the mission trip with us a week ago to Bear Branch, Kentucky, come on up. Uh, it's my privilege this morning, not just to, to preach, but also to share about this mission trip that we took as a student ministry down to Kentucky. And we went with Big Creek Missions. You guys like my pink shirt, huh? Real men wear pink, right? That's what I've heard. See, I see a couple brothers out there. I don't know. That's like salmon, John. So, or, you know, right. Okay. So, uh, this is, uh, this is just a part of our group. We've had several that couldn't be here with us, including my daughter. You can hold that, Ricky. Uh, my oldest daughter. But um, it was a really special trip for me and my family because all of my girls are now in student ministry. So I have a, an incoming sixth grader. I have an incoming senior. And then one in between, Evie is an eighth grader. And uh, so Nikki went with us. And it was just really awesome being together as a family, not just with our family, but with these kids. And we went down to serve with Big Creek Missions in kind of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in Clay and Leslie counties. Now, Clay and Leslie County are two of the poorest counties in the United States. The main industry there was coal mining, and they've had a double whammy in their area. One is that the coal mines are about done. Um, they've, they've been uh, used up, basically. And then second is just the, the move away from coal and some of these things have left, left the area really without any industry. Um, the economy has been devastated and people are kind of left to figure out what to do. Um, schools are dilapidated. Uh, people, people are living in poverty. And it's the Appalachian foothills uh, anyway, which has tended to be a place um, of low income. And so this, uh, this director, Kevin, who runs this mission about 15 years ago, was a youth pastor, and all the churches that he had been involved with had uh, a different idea of what a mission trip was, and he shared this with us when we were there. Um, the churches that he, were, that he was attending thought that a mission trip was going to Disneyland and then taking maybe half a day to go pass out flyers on the beach, but the rest of it was really just kind of a Christian vacation, and this really convicted him and he came across this opportunity in Kentucky, and uh, he went down there. He, he um, had his youth group come down, and he said it was more life-changing than any week at Disney to be there and to actually serve. And so um, a lot of these kids were introduced to the first, for the first time to poverty and, and what it's like to, to really serve and get dirty. And it wasn't easy, and there was no air conditioning and um, all these things that, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, no one would want to do that. Well, that was actually part of the power was to be selfless and go down and serve. And so he just ended up having a heart uh, for these people and he brought his youth groups back uh, several years in a row. And then eventually his denomination said, you know what, if your heart is there, what if we helped you start a mission um, in, in Bear Branch? And so from that point, um, they've, they're now doing summer missions and they have uh, hundreds of people come down every summer They've taken over a school, which they've slowly kind of refurbished and brought up to speed, and that's where, where we stayed, um, in triple-decker bunks, right? Top bunk, Ricky? Yeah, me too, buddy. Um, by the way, as I'm over 40 now, getting up on the top bunk is not as easy as uh, what it used to be. I don't know why I ended up on top, but... Um, so, so we were in these uh, bunks, and we were serving at the mission, and uh, just to give you... 
a little idea here, you know, that this is home base, but you still work even when you're back at home base. So one of the first things they do for the leaders is they give us an introduction and then they say, there's a cork board out in the hallway full of different jobs that we need done throughout the week. And me being a little bit slow in the uptake, I didn't go right away, which left the bathrooms. So the only thing left, and one of the jobs was ice cream, to serve the ice cream at night. Uh, and I don't, a, a friend of mine actually got that one, and I was frustrated that he took the easy job. But so our youth group ended up getting the shower and bathroom cleanup job. So every night after dinner, we had to go in and completely hose down. Ricky's very good at hosing things down. Let me just tell you. Basically, we had to flood the, flood the bathroom, scrub all the walls, uh, touch everything up, go through the toilets, all the showers, uh, sweep everything, and then squeegee the whole thing out. The first night took us, what, an hour? Then we got it down to, what, 25 minutes, something like that, after I, I had to tell Ricky to take it easy on the hose. Um, then, then we got good, but... Uh, so basically, it was just, it was a great week to serve, and there were some really powerful things that happened, and um, I don't, I'm not sure that everyone's going to share here, but I would just love for them, in their own words, to give you a little window of what it was like um, over this week. So, uh, Ricky, first thing, tell us, tell us about the trip down. How was the van ride down, seven and a half hours to Kentucky? Oh, let's see. It's power button. So, well, there's a power button. I don't even know how to work it. There we go. Check, check. Okay. Well, the ride down was nine hours, and the air conditioning did not work very well. And we were very cramped. It was very hot. Yeah. So, we have a 15-passenger van, and we had 13 people in it. So, there you go. These guys were troopers. Um, do you... Uh, Silas, have a story for us about the trip down, maybe. Something cool that happened. Okay, so uh, we had multiple stops on the way down, and one of them was the gas station. We, we just went there to get just to get, get gas. gas. Yeah. Uh, and the garbage cans were overflowing. Like, all of them were just, it was, it was a wreck. So we decided that we were going to get some trash can or trash bags and clean up the entire thing. And this guy who was just filling up his tank uh, saw us do that and gave us $100 because we were cleaning up the area. Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, just a cool lesson that, you know, we didn't do that for that reason, but God provides, and that paid for Dairy Queen on Wednesday when we went out as a group. So there you go. Um, Nikki was the other, the female leader, and it was just, she's so awesome. I mean, I know she's my wife, but she's just really great, and it was awesome to have her along as the resident mom on the trip. Um, Nick, is there anything that stood out, stood out to you? Uh, maybe describe what you and the girls did um, throughout the week. Um, back to the sleeping arrangements. I was sort of prep, preparing myself, like, I'm going to be in control with at least my sleep. I'll sleep in a room with just the eight girls that we're bringing on the trip. We are missing um, two girls and one of our guys who went on the trip. No, three of our girls. Um, and then I, we get there and we are put in a room with like 30 to 40 other people sleeping in those triple bunks. And I also got one of those top bunks and it was tricky. I was scared every time I climbed down. Anyway, we, all of the girls got assigned to doing kids ministry. I think some of us 
were disappointed. We were hoping for being able to be in the community group or one of our girls wanted to do construction. And it is hard sometimes working with kids because you can't measure your impact or measure your success. Um, I got to distribute lunches so I could physically like count, okay, I handed out this many lunches and that sort of felt satisfying. But the rest of the girls were building relationships and that takes time and it takes a lot of energy and you don't necessarily know if you're making a difference. Monday was a tricky day because we were learning everything about the structure of the camp and the these kids do the day camp every week with a new set of volunteers. So they kind of come in knowing more than we do. And they don't want to follow the procedures that we need them to so we can learn it. So they put us through the ringer. Don't you think they tested us a bit and um, didn't want anything to do with us that first day? But I think slowly over the week we started to develop some relationships. I know that it was hard to say goodbye on Friday. I know we had tears. I know that the girls under, like understood as the week went on, like we are loving them. Like we are trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're trying to just show Jesus's love. And at the end of the week, the girls would say, I love you. I'm going to miss you, but you know who loves you the most is Jesus. And Jesus is never going to leave you. And um, I think it was so good to practice like understanding that we don't get to see maybe the fruits of our labor, but, um, but loving people like Jesus loves is a long-term, long haul, every day doing that work. Am I missing anything? No. It, it was awesome. And uh, just to give you an idea of what it was like that first day, I mean, these kids, these kids are elementary kids. They're cussing at the volunteers, I mean, they're coming in with, uh, you know, their own candy and stuff. Uh, several times there were kids stealing the food out of, like, the, the storeroom. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was real deal, vaping, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and to see the relationship that was built just over a week was really incredible. Um, do any of you girls want to share a story of what it was like working with the kids or something that God did in you over the course of the week? McKenna? Yeah, get it, McKenna. Basically, on Monday, I did not have a good day because I was learning everything new. I was I was checking in the kids in the morning, so I wasn't really getting to know them. Um, that was hard. Throughout the week, I got to know them, obviously, more. Um, I get homesick really easily, too. So going to Kentucky was hard because I was nine hours away from home. Um, but... It's really weird because our chapel that night was, it was about things that we hide from people. So I confess that I get homesick. And when I get homesick, I tend to like, I tend to find the bad in things instead of looking at the good. So that was, I like confessed that and I prayed about that on Monday night before I went to bed. And every day that I woke up, I, like, felt better. Like, I I kept a good attitude, and I, like, got to know the kids, and I, like, saw the good in, like, everything that we were doing. And I found that it wasn't, like, it wasn't about us. It was about how we were sharing God to, like, every one of those, one of those kids. And 
It was about like serving the Kentucky community where we were at. And that's just a big thing that I got to find. Anybody else want to share something? I know Evie was like, Dad, I can't wait to talk this morning. She, she was not. You, Abby, you want to say something? Well, when we were doing kids ministry, I came and I was like, oh, great. I get to work with like little kids, like elementary, six-year-olds. And I was like, it would be amazing. But then once we got there, they were like, we have a teen day camp for a 15-year-old. And I was really wanting to stay inside my comfort zone. But then, like, I felt God, like, pulling me towards that and to, like, try to build connections with that, which I'm not, like, one of my weaknesses is when I first meet a person or stuff like that it can be, like, hard for me to going. And so I was like, okay, I will step outside my comfort zone and I will do all this. And anyway, like, I remember being there on Monday and there was this group of girls probably about a year younger than me. And I remember, like, me and the other girl that was from our church that was working there instantly, like, connected with them. And that's who we stayed the whole week with. And week on last day, um, Natalie, the, like, was able to lead um, one of the girls to Christ, and I remember that. I was like, God put me and Natalie here on purpose, and I, I could be with the other girls while Natalie was able to reach out to her and stuff like that. We might stay over on this side. We'll see how that, that does. Um, it was so incredible to see these girls um, step up. And as she mentioned, Natalie Hanute, um, one of the girls that went with us, um, was in the pool ministry and noticed that one of the girls was just paying extra attention to the speaker in chapel. And so she had formed a relationship with this girl all week. And on the last day, asked her in the pool. They're swimming together. They're splashing each other. And she said, you know, so what do you think about Jesus? And they got out of the pool. They sat on the edge of the pool, and she led this uh, girl through the gospel, which they had trained the kids to present in the chapels on Friday. And just so humble, so low-key, and it was just incredible to see not, not just that another child of God was brought home, but what that did in Natalie's heart, she said, I had no idea what I was doing. I just felt like I, you know, bumbled the whole thing. And yet she prayed with this, with, with this teenager to receive Christ. It was, it was such a cool thing. All right. So then the guys uh, were out and we were doing construction, right? Uh, Silas, what were the two projects? And uh, share, share whatever you want about your experience. So the first project was at Eric and Lucy's house. Uh, they had um, a caved-in roof, and they had a flooded um, front room. Uh, so their house has been getting worked on for, like, the, a, a few previous weeks before then. Uh, so we were supposed to go in and finish it up. So we worked on some drywall, and then we also put some metal roofing um, on top. So th that ended up getting that done because supply was low. But uh, we made some progress on and the other one was Cleo's house. Uh, we built uh, Cleo and Jeffrey. Um, was it 40 foot long? 
39 foot long wheelchair ramp. That was a project. Um, so those were the main projects we did. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really cool. Um, so when I was getting ready to go down, down to the mission trip, I thought it was going to be, um, just a smaller town that was doing pretty well. And we were just going to be putting band-aids on small problems. But when we went down there, uh, they were behind on like 160 home fixing requests. And we realized how much poverty was actually going on and how much difference we were actually making. So that was, that was pretty cool. And these guys worked really hard. Um, yeah. There is a picture, which, by the way, if you use that QR code and you get the links for this morning, um, there's a link to a photo album online where you can see a bunch of the photos from the kids. I don't know why I'm using this. I have this. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Um, so you, you can check out the photos there. Uh, there is one where Ricky is cutting off his foot with a skill saw. I swear I stopped him before he hit the trigger, okay? Um, but uh, these guys grew a lot. Ricky, did you have anything you wanted to share about the trip? Oh, okay. Awesome. So uh, these guys just did a great job. I want to applaud them, uh, not not because we really did anything so great, but because they were willing to do something new, take some risks, and see what God would do with that. And he showed up not just for the people that we were serving, but for them as well. And uh, so with that, how about we give a round of applause for God first and then these kids. So thank you guys. I didn't get it. So it really was a privilege to take these kids down. Um, uh, the story's not over yet because when we were planning the mission trip, our group was basically divided in two halves. Some of them could go in June. The rest of them couldn't go until August, and uh, and especially the August group uh, was uh, Jonah Evans is in there, and he's like, I haven't taken a mission trip my entire high school career, and I'm just thinking, I want to get this kid on a mission trip before he graduates and goes to IWU in the fall. And so I was like, you know what? We're just going to do two weeks of mission trip, and we'll take half on one week, and then we'll, we'll go down in August on the other. And what is so awesome is that about half of the kids that went with me in June now want to go in August. So they, that, which is pretty sweet. And, and it's not just, it's not because it's so fun to ride in an unair conditioned van for eight hours uh, down to Kentucky. I would say the, the driving motivation was that these kids want to see the kids that they saw every day for kids ministry and they want to see them again and they want them to know that even though it's it can't be a, a lifelong thing or whatever but that they are loved that they are thought about and that they were impacted one one of the hardest stories uh there there was a couple groups one from indiana another from michigan uh, one from from alabama boy they have a cool accent uh but there, there was a kid um was that austin is that his name and he was from indiana the indiana group so this kid's out there with the kids all week, and, you know, they're singing and being goofy and making connections. And the last day, as they get on the bus, there is a kid who runs up bawling to the bus and puts his hand on the window and says, I love you. Don't leave me. 
And Austin couldn't keep it together. Like the whole group is bawling on the way home. And then as they're talking at, at base camp, you know, through dinner, like every time they mention it, you just see this kid weeping. And, and that's the kind of connection that's so awesome to see is just simply the, like the love for another person and this through the hands of teenagers. And uh, so it was just really a privilege to see that, not just uh, with Austin, but with our girls as well and, and everyone who was down there. And I'm, and I'm excited to go back. Um, as I thought about uh, a psalm, since we're in the summer psalm series that may touch on what we experienced, I, I came across Psalm 102. And I won't spend long on this, but one, Psalm 102 has this really upbeat title. It just works great for the 4th of July. A prayer of an afflicted man when he was faint and pours out his lament before the Lord. The prayer of an afflicted man when he was faint and pours out his lament to the Lord. And as we read this, you'll see that this guy is broken. He is at the bottom. He is barely holding on to life. And the reason for that is because his precious hometown, his precious city of Zion, of Jerusalem, has been raided and sacked and destroyed. Many of his friends have been taken off to Babylon. All the the precious places that he enjoyed are broken, burnt. And it has just broken this man's heart. Now, I'm not saying that Clay, uh, Kentucky, or Leslie County, Kentucky, is Zion. But there are some parallels. What would it be like to have your home basically be wasted? To lose your jobs and, and to have friends move away and to not have the resources to fix what's broken or to just feel the hopelessness of being left behind? What would that be like? And I think this psalm touches on it to some degree. Let, let me read the psalm and then I'll just make some comments. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory, 
For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, O my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, but you remain the same. And your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Now, I know that you just, uh, I'm sorry, I have a hair that's like flying in my face. I don't know how that got connected, but get that out of there. I know you're hearing that for the first time. But there's really kind of three phases to that psalm. The first is this request for, for God to hear him. And life has gotten so hard for this guy that he just needs to make it really clear that, God, I, I feel far from you and my life feels like you're not around, but I need you to hear my prayer because I'm on my last leg. And then he goes on to describe that and pretty dramatic wordage. His insides are on fire. He can't sleep. He forgets to eat when he does eat. His food is filled with ashes, and his, it's like he's drinking his own tears. And I don't know if any of us have, have been in a place like that. It's, I don't want to pretend like we have. But as I was down there in clay, and I saw what some of these people were going through and some of the trials that they were struggling with, I thought, you know, that might be kind of close. And it might be part of the reason that drugs are such an issue because it's hard to feel that way for very long. It's hard to feel so hopeless. But he's honest before God and he just, he puts it before him. And one of my favorite verses in that psalm is verse 12, where after he describes his horrible condition, he says, but you, O Lord, but you, God. And what a beautiful picture of faith that is. That someone can be so low and in so much trouble and yet know that at least God, at least the Lord is still there. And maybe if he will just turn his ear towards me, he will hear me. And he'll make things right again. That is faith. That's hope. And then throughout the psalm, you get this idea that he realizes how temporary he is and how, how fleeting all the stuff around him is. Even this great city that he thought was fortified and could never be uh, destroyed or taken down is in heaps of rubble. But he recognizes that God, regardless of what happens here, will always be on the throne. 
God lasts forever. He is the one to turn to when it feels like our life is falling apart. And prophetically, and I think with some hope, but also just knowing the character of God, he says, I know that God will rebuild Zion. I know that he'll come back. I know that he won't abandon his people. Things will get better. That was the joy for me of being in Kentucky, was to know that potentially we were there as an answer to someone's prayer. That someone who had felt destitute and was lamenting had reached out to God, and God in his sovereign power was coordinating a whole bunch of people from all over the United States to come to this place to provide a little bit of relief. What a cool thing to be a part of. But, even so, even with putting a, a tin roof on a house, even with building a ramp that should last another 20 years, we will miss it if we don't understand that it's really ultimately about eternity. It's really ultimately about being in that heavenly city, God's Mount Zion that he is building. You know, there was, one, there was a moment on the trip when I was doing some flashing on the side of the house that we, that we were trying to get roofed. And uh, they had put a whole new roof on the house because there had been an ice dam. And that's what it had caused all the destruction. They had an ice storm in the spring. And so basically this, uh, this other group that was there before us put up a whole new roof, new rafters, new everything. And I'm there on the side trying to finish up some of the trim and, and cut and bend metal and all that. And I just kind of looked down the roof this brand new roof, and towards the end, it did this. <laughs> I thought, doggone it. That sucker's going to hold water. Now, we hope, we hope that that tin does a good job. We hope that, you know, it doesn't, they don't have a storm like that again, and we'll build up, but even, even in our, in a kind of our best efforts to provide something new, it was interesting that Silas said this, that in a way it's, it's like putting Band-Aids on, isn't it? Even when we do our best and it's, and it's more than a Band-Aid to us and we're doing real work and really trying to fix these houses, ultimately it's a Band-Aid. And later on in the psalm, remember how he closed it up? He's talking about the greatness of God and after he re rebuilds Zion, he says, but there's going to come a time when God's just going to roll this whole thing up and he's going to put it off like a garment. And that's a reference to the day of the Lord. Do you know that the world's going out of business? We don't have the poverty that we had down in Kentucky. Our lives are good. When, when something breaks on my house, even if I complain about it, I at least have the resources to get it fixed. Usually I have friends around me, all that. But even for all our wealth and all our security, this world is going out of business. And our only hope is to be with the eternal God who will be the only thing that will last forever. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll end with this. The writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage us to not waste our days 
but to be unified and to be holy. And the reason he gives is that we are citizens of an everlasting city. He says this, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What a glorious picture we have of what the grace that we have in Christ. And did you catch that, the link with Zion? That it's not just uh, floating in heaven on clouds, and but he's building us a new city. A city where the tin roof won't leak. And when we're all together as a family and we get to hear angels rejoice over the work that God has done and we get to hang out with fellow righteous people who've been made clean by the blood of Christ. That's what we get to go to. So yeah, we go down and we build houses and we hang out with kids and we feed them food and let them steal some of it occasionally. But also that we can share the love of Jesus with them. So that maybe like that girl on the pool, they might say, you know what, that sounds pretty good. I'll go there. I'll go there. So I want to thank you as a church for supporting us. Uh, Thank you for your billions of pop cans that you gave us uh, that helped fund the trip over COVID. Thank you to parents who would let their kids go on a a trip like this if if they were available. Thank you for some of you who helped uh, sponsor some of our needs. Thank you for praying for us. Pray for us again the first week of August as we take the second group of kids down. Um, it's exciting to be a part of building God's kingdom and a city that will never end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that even when our life seems to be falling apart, and maybe it is in, in reality, maybe our like the people in Kentucky, our jobs have dried up and our homes are falling down and We don't have the resources we need. We thank you, God, that despite those temporary setbacks, you, the eternal God, are there for us. We thank you that you came down and you heard us and you sent sent your king to Jerusalem, gentle and riding on a donkey. And that king gave his life for us, God, so that we would have something far more precious than a new house or a, a ramp. You gave us hope for eternity. I thank you that we share in that hope, God. And I pray that, like Hebrews goes on to say, that we would not fall short of the grace of God as we eagerly anticipate going to the heavenly Jerusalem that you have prepared for us. God, we thank you for our nation. We know it's not perfect. We know that there's a lot of mess going on, but um, we thank you for the freedom that we have. And would you help us to make it better by living as citizens of that future city? And it's in Jesus' name I pray.